Welcome to the Retirement Plan Playbook, hosted by Brent Pasqua, Matthew Thiel, and Joshua Winterswick of Evermont Wealth. This podcast dives deep into investment strategies, retirement planning, and current events, equipping you with the insights needed to craft a robust retirement playbook adaptable to any political or economic climate. Join Brent, Matthew, and Joshua as they guide you through the complexities of retirement planning, offering expert advice to tackle challenges in the later stages of your journey. It's time to build your optimal retirement playbook. Now, let's dive into today's episode. Welcome into the Retirement Plan Playbook. We're finally back and uh, welcome to 2024. Feels like it's been a really long time since we've been here. Welcome back, Matt. <laughs> it feels good. 2024. I'm excited to uh, jump back into the podcast room and record today. Yeah. And I'm Brent Pasqua, uh, founder of the new Evermont Wealth. And it feels good to be here chatting with you guys on a mic again. Yeah, so I guess let's kind of just get right into it. Let's talk to the listeners about why did we change our name from RPA to Evermont? So when we purchased the building in downtown Claremont, you know, our thought started to run about what we wanted to put as far as a sign was on the building. And we started to think about potentially changing the logo a little bit, changing some color schema of the logo, and making sure it was the way that we wanted before it actually went up. Because when you're in a new city, in a new area, the last thing we want to do is put a logo up and then all of a sudden, you know, be taking it down in a year or two from then because, you know, that doesn't give some, you know, real hard brand recognition. So we started, we began on this journey to change the logo. But the one thing that we had always sort of asked ourselves was, if given the opportunity, would we actually change the name? Because one of the things that we were challenged with was, Clients would always mix up the acronyms in the letter, the R, the P, the A, it would always get confusing. So much so that even our marketing company who had worked with the brand for five years would get the, the letters mixed up. So at that point, I knew that there probably was a, a problem with the way that I named it 10 years ago. And there was probably something that if we were going to do to fix it, now was probably the right time to do it before the sign went up. So what began as, you know, just a logo and color change began a process of, you know, a full company rebrand. It's funny too, because a lot of clients, I felt like never even knew what the R and the P and the A standed for. Yeah. And it was in the description of the logo, but they would still always ask. So it, it didn't really stick and hold, you know, and that was a mistake I think I made in the beginning thinking, you know, a name would be fine and it would stick. But once we began working with a branding company in early March, um, you, you can see clearly and early on that there really was a challenge with the name that we created or I created in the beginning and that there was probably going to be a lot of opportunity by making a change to it. It's hard to, well, what I learned is it's hard to really redesign or design logos around acronyms without, you know, the bulkiness of it from just a design angle. Right. So I think that's also what kind of led down this path as well. It, it's weird to me too, though, that like the PGA, MLB, NBA, like the NFL, like those acronyms all stick. Like everybody knows what those are, but like outside of that, they don't really do well. But it's also something that's been established. Like they don't need a descriptor word. You don't need, you know, NFL football association, right? They don't need to explain it. You see the logo and you know what it is without even reading the acronym. 
And all the companies today are just one word. Apple, Netflix, Microsoft, Amazon, Tesla. There's not, they're not acronym names. Yeah, it, it, it feels like the, there's so much more knowledge to about naming companies that if you do have a second chance at it, though, like we did, we knew we had to get it right this time. Because, you know, going back to putting a sign up, now when we put Evermont on top of the building, we know that that's going to stick on there for a very long time, the rest of our careers, and, you know, hopefully for many years after ours as next generations are here. So we, we knew we had to get this one right, and I think, you know, going down this process led us to now come up with something that we felt like we felt good about. And Evermont has a specific meaning. Yeah, so the Ever, so when we were working with the branding company, they never came up in any of the, the names and the rounds that we were going with with names with Evermont. They came up with Ever and names with Ever in it, and Ever we failed? liked, yeah, and we liked ever the ever part of different names, and the reason why is because I think it felt like forever, Mount Everest. It it gave a sense of longevity. There was a lot of sense of of of, of foreverness to the word everlasting ever. relationships. A hundred percent, and we felt the relationships with our clients reflected some of the meaning behind ever, and so we kind of kept that in, in the back of our mind. But then we also found names that they, they sent out to us that we were reviewing with them with the word Mont in them. And what we liked about Mont was like Mont Blanc is luxury to me. Like I've had Mont Blanc pins in the past. Like I think it's a very luxury brand. Montecito, it's a very luxurious area. It's like one of the highest, you know, per capita zip codes in all of California. Like, you know, that's a high end area. Claremont. Claremont. Like we're now in Claremont. We're resetting ourselves here. And so that has a lot of meaning to it. And so when we were able to bring that together and we and they came up with Evermont, one of the other benefits to it was we were able to get the domain. Somebody actually had already owned it, but they weren't using it and we were able to purchase it. And the domain is the website address. Like, so we have evermont.com. That's our website address. Correct. And, how, and there's not a lot of companies that are able nowadays to get the the name of their company without a descriptor word to follow or they would use like let's say evermont.org or evermontwealth.com like we didn't have to use any of that we just were able to get evermont and that was a huge huge grab right there yeah we're evermont that's who we are yep and just to you know go through this process collaboratively and have a real meaning behind the name i think that's what i'm you know also really proud of is like this is really representing who we are today, who we envision, you know, we are going forward and, you know, working with our clients. And, and that's really nice to, to have that specific meaning to what we do now behind our name. You know what my favorite change is? The logo. Yeah. We got the tree. Right. And like that works so many ways in finance. You know, there's like the money tree. Uh, Warren Buffett's old saying, you know, you, you plant a, uh, a seed today, and by the time you're ready for retirement, it grows a new tree. Right. And Claremont's the city of trees. And Claremont's the city of trees. There you go. What What I like about it too is, you know, when when I originally named back in 2013 RPA, like that was something that I came up with, and I did that, you know, in in, in at that period of time, knowing what I knew at that time. But we've grown together, like the three of us, in terms of the the practice, the relationship that we have, and 
we've built this firm up tremendously. And that name was Evermont has become something that the three of us work together on when we have done this rebranding. It's not something that I was just in only in the meetings on. This is something that the three of us did together. And now it's a reflection of all of us. Yeah. I don't want to take too much away from you. Our pay was pretty clever. That was, that was good for no help. You know, we, we, one of the things that you had said also, though, is like the logo. The, another part of that, though, was also the color. Because with RPA, we use this sort of royal blue and the orange, which I was never a fan of orange. Remember back, we had baby blue, we had baby blue back in the day. We did. First we had orange baby chairs. blue. Yeah. We had orange share. The step one of rebranding was getting rid of the orange. So. Look, man, things go in style and they come out of style. You know? <laughs> but now our, our color is a dark navy grayish blue with with gold or brass. And like that has always been the luxury brand and kind of feel that I've wanted for a very long time. Uh, I love it. I agree though with Matt. You know, when we when we share this with clients at first, you know, people were like, "Hey, I liked RPA," but I think it was also that they like us, so that's good. Yeah, I think that was you know a good name for where we were then, and this is a much better name for where we're going in the future. Perfect. Anything else on the name? No, I think the only other you know important point to that is it is all just a material change. I mean, we're not we weren't sold, we weren't bought, we weren't. We haven't changed anything else except for this is a material change to our company. It's just a company internal rebrand, and we're excited about like what we could do with this rebrand in the future. We definitely want to get some cool hats going, some golf hats, some golf gear, some swag bags. Like we're we're really excited about what we can now do with like some of the material stuff with it. So the problem with you saying that though is most of our clients listen to this. And so when they hear this, they're going to, and they come in for their reviews, they're going to be asking for their swag. If we don't have swag to give <laughs> them, what are we going to say? Well, we have to work on swag. They say, where's my swag bag? <laughs> exactly. So now like you're pressuring yourself, we're going to have to order swag after this. We're, right. we're definitely going to have to have some swag. Got to get to work, guys. Which is something you guys have wanted to do for multiple years, but I didn't love RP enough to put swag on it. So yeah, well, I'm looking forward to my swag. Now we have this great name, this great logo. Then we're going to have some great swag. We have to have swag. All right. Well, let's get into today's show. We're going to have fun today. It's been so long since we've done a podcast. We took a really long break last year. But so for today's show, let's just kind of recap some of our favorites from 2023. You want to tell them why we took a break? Uh, so so the reason we took a break last year is, is when we were remodeling the office, we had a ton of construction going on. And that extended out for many, many months. And it was both inside the office, outside the office. And so there wasn't really a quiet place for us to be able to continuously record. Like every time we'd want to go record, then there would be pounding and drilling and so much so that we had the neighbors not happy about the pounding and drilling. So we had to kind of pause it. We had also a little bit of a challenging year, I think for personally, with family and health and some issues that happened last year. But this year, I mean... You know how important it is to me that we record, you know, every week. So I think your 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 job is to make sure we do it. Yeah, we're gonna be recording all the time now. We should just go to a weekly show. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> hey, let's just get through this episode. We're yeah. back, okay? Right. All right. Twenty twenty three recap. Okay, go for it. This is a great year. Very good. Josh, what did the markets do? Yeah, okay. So I can recap. They did really well. Everything was up. Okay. So just to to make it very simple, but uh, some of the the data behind it, we had U.S. stocks over 25% 2023, international stocks up over 17%, emerging market stocks up over 11%, and 
and U.S. bonds up over 5% as well. If you're looking at the three major indexes in the U.S., all great rates of return last year, S&P 500 up over 24%, NASDAQ up over 43%. Amazing. It's like one of those, it's those years where you stay invested for. Absolutely. Like if you pulled your money out in 2022 because, you know, the market was going down and you thought the economy was about to crater, you know, now you're fighting just to get back to break even if you missed it. Absolutely. And after 2022, there wasn't really any analyst out there projecting for 2023 to be a good year. No, not at all. And look at the rates of return that. So twenty this last year reminded me of 2013, which was another just absolute year that ripped where people came in overly bearish, thought the economy was going to crash. 2009 was the same way. It started rocky, but then just took off like a rocket ship. It's a bottom year. The, the bottom's in. It's, it's over. Mm-hmm. And these good years, they tend to cluster, and we're most likely going to get a string of a few good years in a row now. Yeah, I mean... Staying invested was the that key point last year. I think we, we have the data, right? You missed the five best days last year. What yeah. was the difference of return? I, I think if you missed the five best days, your return was about 7%. Should have pulled that slide up before we did the show. Yeah, a lot less than what the year ended. And then basically, I think if you missed the s- seven days or more, then you ended up with negative rate of return. So there's basically like five to six days that make the full year and that's it. So what was your biggest lesson then of 2023? So my biggest lesson is, and this is more of an investing lesson too, it's just don't trust the crowd. When you go into the year, everybody was bearish. Like, you know, our clients were were overly negative. The forecasters were overly negative. The TV shows were overly negative. Everybody was negative. And you go into the year, we get this product called ChatGPT. And it's like, it was like an iPhone moment. Artificial and, intelligence. Yeah. And people caught on, investors caught on, and the market started rallying. They took the seven biggest tech stocks up first, and then everything else followed. Because the, the census coming out of 2022 is that the tech market might not make any growth for the next 10 years, right? Because it had done so well over the previous 10. Yeah, there's no, they had, they didn't have a product. They didn't have anything. And, and they were the hardest hit in 2022. Right. Right. And then AI came. And really what AI was, was they put out a chat GPT, which is, was a, a consumer facing application. And the people who played with it immediately got it. And then from there, you know, it was NVIDIA, it was Microsoft, all those companies just started going up. The Magnificent Seven, they're calling them. The Magnificent Seven. Is that the same lesson you had from last year or what was your lesson, Josh? I think my lesson was that no matter how doom and gloom or bad things look, there's always opportunities and you have to be in position to really take advantage of those opportunities. Even like, you know, we talked about bond ladders last year and interest rates going up and it took a lot of, you know, time for people to really make a decision or implement those strategies. But even just from fixed income, right? Last year up over 5%, you can go lock in interest at over 5% last year. So even if you weren't high on the market, there was still an opportunity to go make money. And really that's what, you know, we always have to be looking for. So no matter, you know, the situation geopolitically, economically, as investors, you know, if we want to maximize our growth, we have to 
always be looking for them because like you see last year, there was tons of opportunity when you were probably pretty down on the markets in 2022. Yeah. I think for me, like the best and greatest lessons for last year is probably one that, you know, we always talk about and already know, but it's just another reassurance of it. And that's that you can't time the market. I mean, if you look what the S&P did from the beginning of the year to July, it hit that peak for the year at the end of July. And then all of a sudden, we got some bad inflation data, interest rates were holding, and we then started having some more of this war going on. And by the end of October, the S&P had hit almost its bottom for the year. I mean, it was back to being up very, very little for the year. And then by the end of October to the end of December, it just went on a ripper of a rally. Like it just absolutely took off. Nobody was predicting that to happen at the end of October. Like, and, and all of a sudden, you're sitting there with almost very little returns for the year. And then you finish out the last two months of the year with double-digit returns. I mean, incredible. You cannot time that, though. Yeah, active management is so difficult. There's, it's impossible to time markets. The only strategy that works is passive. If, if you want to be successful as an investor, you have to adopt that passive philosophy like we've done for our clients. What was some of the, I guess, the investing trends of 2023 that will work for 2024? I'll go first. So we started in 2022, about mid-2022, once rates got above like 3.5%, we started talking a lot about bond ladders. And I think that's still a viable strategy today. Rates are still high. They worked really well last year at 5.5%. Rates have come in a little bit. You know, they're about 5 to 5.3, depending on which bond you're specifically looking at. But I think this is still a very viable strategy. And it's even now a viable strategy to go even look longer term at some longer term bonds that are paying, you know, four and a half percent, specifically maybe like a 30 year bond, if that's so what you like, or, you know, a 10, a 10 year bond, five year bond, they're all paying really attractive interest rates right now. So I, I still think that bond strategy and focusing, you know, on individual bonds to pay you income is still very viable today. That's my thought. You could basically go, you know, put your income that you need for the next 10 years safe at four and a half percent. That's pretty good. Yeah, like I take that any day of the week. You could just say, I'm not even going to mess around with any other fixed income. I can go set up my income for the next 10 years and get four and a half percent. You're set. Yeah. It's pretty good. Absolutely. It's like, how long do you want your income guaranteed for? 10 years, five years. Okay, yeah. Let's pick the ball. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Mine, mine's going to be just cash management. We saw that this year. And I, I feel like, even clients, people I talk to, just friends and family, still haven't even opened an online savings account. And cash management was a hot topic last year, whether if it was CDs, money market funds, online savings accounts, there's free money to be had now with these interest rates higher. That's still the case. And I think that if you're not managing your cash, take a look at that, bring some awareness to that cash management strategy because rates are still good, like uh, Matt had, had mentioned. And, you know, there's really no reason to hesitate, especially now, and it's still attractive. So I think that that's the trend that people need to, and even going forward as rates change. I think it's always a topic that we have with our clients, but for everybody out there, a topic that you should always be looking to manage also your cash appropriately. You know what I've seen a lot more too with clients is that because rates have been high in, in these savings accounts for such a long period of time, that their wealth is building up in these accounts where they're probably taking, a, there's so much of their net worth in there now that they're probably taking the, away from their long-term growth. It's almost like, hey, we're getting such a good rate at four plus percent in online savings 
know that, and we've been building this up for the last few years that, you know, you look at the S and P and what the returns were last year, you can made five times that. So it's hard to sense like, at what point do you say, okay, well, my liquid money should be here, but let's not put so much in here that you're taking away from your long-term growth. Yeah. And I think that that's why working with, I know we, we say this a lot, but working with an advisor is key because if you're actually, you know, looking at your balance sheet, right. And rules of thumb of like how much cash you should be holding as a percentage, then there's like, okay, well now I'm over allocated to cash. I need to do something else. Cause then look, you missed the opportunity. Like you just said of getting triple that in the market. So, you know, I think always just thinking about that is, is key, making sure the cash is at an appropriate amount, but then also it's being managed correctly. I think for me, like one of the trends that will continue on for this year is dollar cost averaging. I think if you're like a, a an investor who wants to get things at good prices, like last year was a pretty good time to be dollar cost averaging. You know, I think emotionally it's hard for some people to be putting money into the market while the market has been going down like it was in 2022. But if you were putting money into 20, all throughout 2023, I think you're going to obviously want to continue that this year. Because like we saw on charts, the market returns are clustered together. Just because last year was up doesn't mean this year is going to be going down. And you need to be continuing to double down and be putting money in on a regular basis, whether that's your 401k plan, your retirement plans, your individual accounts. Continue to buy. Just keep buying. Yeah, that's why 401ks are successful, right? Because it's, you know, every two weeks, you're usually getting some money put in. If you select the right fund, maybe it's a Vanguard, Fidelity fund, stock-based fund, high high allocation of stock, you're going to be pretty happy with the 401k. You know, if you get a little too aggressive, though, and you start start your contributions, stop your contributions, and don't get that dollar cost averaging effect, like you said, you're not going to be happy. What was your favorite purchase of 2023? Like, did you buy any NFTs or yeah. did you buy some more crypto or what What? What did you buy that you liked last year? So I actually thought, looking back on this, when we came up with this question, I had a few, I had a few different answers. But then when I look back and I thought of all the stuff I bought, like, man, I bought a lot of things in 2023. We're going to be here for a while. <laughs> yeah, so how much time do you have? <laughs> But I think probably like the coolest purchase I had. So I got a new car, picked up some new golf clubs. Like, you know, that's here or there. That's things I do by myself. But my wife and I really, really wanted to go to the Taylor Swift concert. And like Taylor Swift mania really swept through the United States in 2023. I think she's probably AI and then Taylor Swift were the top two stories of 2023. Yeah. Uh, Are you saying you're a Swifty? Yeah, I love Taylor Swift's uh, music. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. You've liked Taylor Swift's music for a long time, right, man? Yeah, for a very long time. Yeah. And so we w- we were able to get, the tickets were really hard to get. They're very expensive. But she ended up right before she played in LA adding a second show or a fifth show. Actually, I think she played here five or six times. And she added a new show and we were able to get tickets. And I know I, someone else in this office was also able to get tickets. I don't want to mention any names, but went to the show with him and his wife and, and my right, wife. You and, went? <laughs> no, I did not go. I, I went with I was Matt. unable to go. I did. You went to the show with me, Josh? Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah I so did. We, we had a great time. It was really cool to see. It was probably like the live event of the year. So that was fun. That was my favorite purchase. I had fun. My wife was, I surprised my wife with tickets and she's a big Swifty. And it was actually an awesome concert. Crazy so, experience. Yeah, it is. So does she continue touring or is she like done for a year or two? Or like, what? I don't, I don't know what the, the future holds for her. I, I think she's going on international who are like doing Europe next, like this summer Got when it. the weather gets a little better. Got it. Uh, incredible like brand and 
incredible performer. Yeah, I'd see it again. The show is so good. I think I, she sold out, what, eight nights in LA? Yeah. We actually, on uh, Netflix, watched the, was it Netflix or Apple TV? We rented the concert that's on that was in the movie theater. And over Christmas break, my daughter, wife, and son, we had it. We watched that concert. Oh, you, you guys rented it? Yeah, we rented it. And it was like three hours long. That was the show we were at. Yeah. I think. Because I think they did the recording for, for, at the show that Josh and I went to. Got it. Yeah, it was at SoFi. So that's it was, cool. It was absolutely incredible. It was great to watch. And she's an incredible performer. Yeah, she's awesome. What is yours, Josh? Mine's also, my list isn't as long but as Matt's, but mine is also an experience. This year, my favorite NFL football team, the Miami Dolphins, played at SoFi. And it was week one. And every time they come to the West Coast, I, I at least try to tr get to the game. But it was a lot of fun because I was able to, where I went with, you know, my wife, our son, and then also my parents, who my mom is a Miami Dolphins fan too. Excellent game. It was so fun to take my, my little guy to his first Miami Dolphins game. Just the capture pictures and enjoy it with him. We were all dressed up. And so the game was awesome. The experience was awesome. I like it. I like SoFi, obviously. I went and saw Taylor with you there too. But it was great. Had a great uh, time. And then the Miami Dolphins uh, beat the Chargers. So, yeah. And the Dolphins are your favorite team. They had a good season. They were fun to watch. Yeah. Very fun to watch. Yeah. yeah. They've had a good season. Uh, wish them luck in the playoffs. We're a little banged up. But, but probably by the time this comes out, uh, let's just lost. be honest. Yeah, you guys are going to be knocked out. But. Uh, <laughs> you, you guys sound like haters. I wish you guys had favorite football teams. What about you, Brent? Tell us what, what yours was. Uh, well, a lot of the things I spent money on in last year was um, on the office. Like we did massive rebuild in here. We remodeled the inside. We completely ripped apart the exterior outside of landscape. We redid the hardscape. We did redid the parking lot. It was nonstop construction all year long, and we saw that as a really good opportunity for us to build our foundation stronger here in this community and in this area. So that's where I did a lot of the purchasing last year. I felt like I was writing checks nonstop. But my favorite purchase was the experience my family had at Disney World. I mean, we went for a week to Disney World. We went to four different parks. We did that whole tour of that area, and that was absolutely incredible. It's, it was an experience my kids will probably never forget. And I absolutely loved it. It was a memory I'll never obviously forget either. After hearing about your trip, I'm so excited when my kids are old enough and we get to do that trip. It sounds like so much fun. Yeah, it's amazing. And when they're at that age, I mean, their eyes light up. I mean, that's that's the perfect trip for them. I think there's a lesson here, though. I mean, you did a lot of remodeling. I bought, you know, things for golf. I bought a new car. Golf simulator. Um, simulator. I know you've bought a few, th few things last year that didn't get mentioned. But we all pick experiences. <laughs> yeah. And that's what, at the end of the day, that's what makes you happy, I think, as a person. It's not the material stuff. And I think that's what we do a lot of with our clients is we talk about not the materialistic purchases. Because when we meet with clients and they say, hey, well, I need a new car. Yeah, sure, they're happy when they get their new car. But it's not the same as their experiences. Like when they're taking all these different trips and going different places with family and doing all these lifestyle type things and they're getting that type of experience, like that's the joy that really you know, brings them happiness in retirement. I think it's a good exercise. Even like when me and Matt were talking about like our favorite purchases before the podcast, it was nice to kind of reflect. And those were the things that like stuck out, right? Taylor Swift concert, your Disney World trip, football games. So I agree with you. Yeah, those experiences are so memorable. Yeah, now as we start to, you know, look towards the rest of 2024, as we're like, you know, we can so into this year, what stories 
could stall really this market rally and like where this market is starting out. And, you know, we are in a presidential election year and we did come off of a big year. Um, but what could stall this rally? I, I think the number one thing is still inflation. There's always going to be geo geopolitical events popping up here and there. But what caused that market rally that you were talking about about 10 minutes ago from October to the end of the year was that the Federal Reserve said they're probably done raising interest rates and you know might even consider some cuts in 2024. Well, if inflation picks back up and gets back above 4 or 5% and some of those key indicators the Fed watches come in higher than expected, they're not going to cut rates and they might even signal, they might even pivot and start saying, okay, we're actually going to maybe raise rates one more time or two more times in the summer and the fall. Right. And if that's the case, the market's going to get crushed. Yeah, market will freak out. Yeah, absolutely. So that would be mine is just inflation and interest rates. And even just higher for longer or pauses for longer. Right. So people are expecting cuts. Yeah. And they might not come. Right. I think also just economic slowdown. We were talking also about just number of layoffs, kind yeah. of like a, not a huge headline, but so far this year, just global economic slowdown. So just not as much growth globally that people are expecting. If we don't hit those targets and let's just say even unemployment starts to pick up, maybe not necessarily like a huge recession, but just not the expected growth or the economic you know, trend going upward as well as projected, I think that also could play a big role this year. Yeah, big companies announcing layoffs, right? BlackRock, Amazon, Google, all with that at the beginning of the year, Citigroup, yeah. It's a, and it's broad too. It's technology, it's banking. Yeah. It's yeah, everywhere. Yeah. That's so good. Story to monitor. For me, I think it's one that you already mentioned, Matt, and I know you said global events and wars are going to happen. You know, that's just kind of what we've become accustomed to over history. But I think if there isn't some de-escalation and things continue to kind of spiral and get worse. And if it does get worse, I think that can impact the market because the longer it lasts, the worse it potentially gets. Now, when I say that though, the market hasn't negatively responded to the way things have been up to this point. The market has kind of held on. There was a little bit of reaction maybe in October, but beyond that, I mean, the market has been pretty strong. But if things do spiral and not thinking doom or gloom, but if things do spiral and get worse, that could have more impact, I think, than anything else. Yeah, absolutely. There's quite a lot of, I'd call it, small conflicts going on right now. And some the U.S. is involved in and some they're not. So right. Probably don't want to turn into big conflicts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then the other thing I was thinking about and wondering is, you know, like how is retirement planning changing in 2024? And what has changed in 2024? I think the big thing for retirees is like, what I'm starting to notice with some of my own clients and like when we talk to prospective clients on the phone who are looking to hire a retirement planner, it's kind of like a haves versus haves not right now. And the people that have, you know, they saved a lot and they probably either didn't spend it or they're very high earners and they almost have too much and they're getting to a point where they don't know what to do with it. You know, let's take like something simple like an RMD, right? They get an RMD and it's large because they have large uh, 401ks or IRAs, maybe it's 40, 50 grand a year. And they're like, what am I supposed to do with this money? Mm -hmm. I have nothing to spend it on. Right. And so I think, and also this is a little rules-based too, because we do have some law changes coming into effect in 2025. I think from a planning standpoint, as advisors, we're going to be talking a lot more with our clients about gifting over the next year, year and a half as, as laws change. And then also as, you know, the haves have more money and are 
realizing they're not going to spend it. And those those law changes are happening in 2026. They take effect 2026. They end in 2025. Correct. And I think we're going to see a lot of planning probably towards the back half of this year and into next year if the laws aren't changed. Yeah, because a lot of that like extensive gifting takes time to put into place. Like you can't just you know, come into the last quarter of 2025 and say, okay, I'm going to put these gifting strategies in place. Like you got to start that at the middle of the, to the beginning of the year or the year before. Yeah, absolutely. Mine's going to be just in adjusting for inflation. Like we've just been in this inflation period for so long and we've seen wage growth somewhat keep up with inflation, but really planning and running a new projection with these new inflation numbers, with all of this new data, and making sure that your savings rates and your 401k contribution rates are appropriate. You know, one rule of thumb that we also say is you get a raise, you should be increasing your 401k contribution. Like, are you doing that? That's also like a strategy to help adjust for inflation. So I think a lot of, you know, my theme this year will be to account for not only the past inflation, but prices aren't going backwards either. So just accounting for the higher prices going forward and then also making sure your savings is lining up with those increases as well. I think for me, one of the things I've seen starting to change and like the trend change started maybe a couple of years back and I see it more so already starting again this year is I feel like people are wanting to really retire earlier. Like people, you know, generally when you would ask them, oh, when's your going to retire, they'd say 65 because of Medicare. And then it obviously Social Security pushed out to now 67 for a lot of people for in terms of full retirement age. But now you're seeing people at 61, 62, people aren't wanting to work till their middle 60. I feel like so many people have seen so many people die of cancer or diseases or, you know, unexpected illnesses that a lot of people want to go find joy in their life outside of work. And it's feel like it's happening a lot earlier in life that they're wanting these things. And if you talk to someone in their late 30s, mid to late 30s, early 40s, a lot of the times what they say is, I'm planning on retiring early, like before 60. Right. And it's like, well, we better get planning then. Right. Because we, we got a lot of work to do. Yes. You know, to make sure your assets are ready for that. But yeah, that's definitely a trend, re retiring early for sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready to retire. Yeah. <laughs> it's because you're tired. You have two young kids. <laughs> I, I, but it, if you do want to retire early, you have to plan and make sacrifices. You have to plan earlier. You have to plan harder. You have to make sacrifices now in life. You can't buy a golf simulator. You know, you got to put your money away. <laughs> but it comes back, it always comes back to the same things. It's like make more money, save more money or spend less money. Yeah. Right. And one of those things has to happen for you to be able to do that. But I see that as well with my clients is that, yes, it's more common. I feel like now over the last few years to piggyback on what you just said is that more people are wanting to, you know, be done working buy yeah and i was i'm curious to see how that trend continues you know does it even get earlier now or does it start to to stabilize but we see it a lot more people get tired of working my favorite question on here is next and it's you know one that i always like hearing from you matt is you know what are you doing in your portfolio in 2024 because i want to know if it is crypto is it <laughs> you know nft is it the monkey the yellow monkey nft the people coin Buying LeBron James's slam dunk virtually. <laughs> Top shop. And if you. All right. Some of this stuff I purchased, some of this stuff I obviously <laughs> didn't purchase. But no, it's not 2021. There's not a raging bull market and the Fed's not pumping money into the system left and right. But one thing I'm excited about, I'm going to be putting it in my account. And I, I think it's a, actually probably a, a really big deal and probably the biggest story we've had so far in 2024 is the Bitcoin ETF was approved a few days ago. 
I think there's 11 different companies in total that are offering a Bitcoin exchange traded fund. And what this means is you can now buy uh, a fund in your account that gets you direct exposure to Bitcoin. So you could buy it in your broker's account or for the first time ever, and this is where I think it's probably the biggest story, in your retirement account. So you could buy it in your IRA for the first time. And I think that's a pretty big deal. I think it's probably long-term and it'd be good for the price of Bitcoin. But for those clients who want exposure and are asking us, hey, like we kind of like the story of Bitcoin. How can we buy it? And we're always like, hey, we, can, we can't buy it for you. Well, now there, there, there is an option to buy it. BlackRock has a product. Fidelity has a product. A couple of the other large ETF issuers ha- have their own Bitcoin ETF now. So that's really cool. And putting it in retirement accounts, that's great because you're going to get tax deferred growth on it if it does go up. Are you going to buy it? Yeah, absolutely. When? Probably within the next day or two. Oh. The, the bull market's back. Forget what I said about economic slowdown. We're buying Bitcoin ETFs now. <laughs> I'm at. And then outside of that, just keep my passive strategy going. Look, I've, le- I've learned, I've, I've done the whole, I'm going to try and individually trade stocks things. I'm absolutely awful at it. No, you're not. You're actually really, really good. I mean, I've, I've done very, very well in stocks that you've recommended and told me to buy. Problem is, is that you just don't always buy them. No, that's what I mean. I'm absolutely awful at it. So passive investing is great for me. Yeah, you've done you've done great for me. I'm good at telling people what to buy. So hey, clients, like you know, if you're looking for an advisor who knows what to buy, I'm your guy. I just those never who buy can't, it myself. Those who can't do teach. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I will 100% vouch for that. There, I don't know how many times that you and I can count. You've told me to go buy something. I've bought it. You didn't buy it. And then I've made a ton of money on it. Means I'm a good advisor. You're a great advisor, man. You should tip them. Yep. <laughs> I do every day. <laughs> what am I doing to my portfolio? Nothing. My portfolio is good. Keep dollar cost averaging. Passive great. investing. Bitcoin's lame. No, I'm just kidding. That was a shot at you. Uh, to be honest, though, I'm probably going to be looking at buying a Bitcoin ETF too, but uh, I think that's pretty cool that it's now uh, in a form that you can buy it uh, in your tax deferred accounts and then also just as a tracker. So uh, that's pretty cool. And then also always looking to rebalance, right? We, you want to make sure that your portfolio is rebalanced. And so to summarize, though, not much. I, I mean, I built my portfolio and lined it up with, you know, a time horizon that's right for me. So there's not much to do. I think for me for this year, it's I want to continue to build and add more stocks that are built on the future of AI and in technology. I mean, I think, you know, if we think about where AI is going, I would like to continue to build on those positions and those holdings. I, you know, like you, I'm not sitting here day trading or buying individual stocks on a daily basis. But when, you know, I think that there's an opportunity, I definitely like to add in dollar cost average into those stocks. And I'll continue to probably do that this year. I mean, I think AI has a huge amount of advancements in the future. And I want to be a part of that. I want to keep doubling down on that. But of course, like the other things that are all remain true. I mean, 401k contributions, the the normal dollar cost averaging that I do, all that will continue. So you're still passive investing. A hundred percent. The majority is passive investing, but I think, you know, there is some fun in doing a little bit of of stock. So I'll be waiting for you to tell me what to buy. I did. I don't even think you bought it. And I bought it. And I'm, up, I'm up like 35% since I bought it. Yeah. What is it? Rista Networks. Oh, yeah. And you're telling us to buy Bitcoin, so maybe, you know, we'll see. Well, here's the thing, too. Let's go with a little disclaimer. This is not financial advice. You guys should consult with a financial professional like us before you purchase anything that we've mentioned on this show. All right, let's move on to the next question. What is your big purchase for this year, then? 
So right now, I can't think of anything. You know, we might do a little home remodeling at some point this year. We bought our home in 2020. It's needed some work, but we put it we put it off to the side. Might do a project or two. But outside of that, the big thing we're doing that's a little bit different is we're doing a, a meal prep program where a company makes us uh, a dinner meal for a few nights a week, and they deliver it to our house on Sundays. And and we heat it up throughout the week to eat dinner. It's actually not as pricey as you would think. It's been saving me a lot of time so far this year, so that's really nice. How did you find out about that company? So a guy in my networking group mentioned it to me, and I, I started looking into it, and then I'd also heard some whispers about it around the office from you. <laughs> so I decided to try it. It's called My Little Penguin, I think. My Healthy Penguin? Oh, is it My Healthy Penguin? I think so. Okay, My Healthy Penguin, and it's based in Rancho Cucamonga. I mean, it's, it's smart, right? Because you, you don't, you take decision fatigue out of your life. You have two young kids. That's obviously time consuming and stressful. And there's a lot of steps in a day to take care of your kids. So it's smart though, to take a big project like cooking off the table, it makes your life more convenient. So yeah, and it, like a good it, place to put money. It's easy. And it's not for, you know, every meal, it's just dinner for, you know, four nights a week. And that's perfect. Yep. What about you, Josh? I have another baby on the way. Yeah, my wife is pregnant, and so that's that's going to be a big new added expense. Is this like your formal announcement to your clients and to people that listen? Yeah, I think most of my clients have probably have mentioned to a little bit already. But yeah, we're expecting, and uh, we're having a, a little girl. She's due in June, and we're very excited. But yeah, we know how much uh, babies cost, so yeah, that's going to be an added increase. But if I can squeeze in a new five-wood, that's also what I got an eye on for my golf game. Which I'm probably not going to be playing much golf yeah. after the second baby's born. But. You should just wait till they go on sale around the holidays <laughs> next year because I don't think you're going to be playing golf much this year. Don't it, say that. Don't. It, do, it doesn't feel like that long ago. I was the only one around the office that had kids. And now it's just grown. Like, now you have two. Josh, you're on your second. I have my two. Like, this 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 family has grown. I I feel like uh, your kids are going to be coming in here for internships pretty <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I guess you're going to be babysitting your guys' kids here soon. <laughs> yeah, our group has definitely just exploded in the last three yeah. years. I think for me, the big purchase for this year is continuing to get the office completed. I think there's little things around here that needs to be pieced together and finished and some little projects around here that we want to get done to put the final touches on it. And that will take several months to continue to get that done. But that's definitely been a, a, a big thought for this year is just continue to get this place done. What about something for yourself? I don't know. I haven't really sat down and thought about anything that I, I really need. I'm pretty focused on this place right now. What about a batting cage for your son? Yeah. You know, I mean, I might have to move into a new house if I want something like that, but so I'm not it, really trying to move. If you can't golf, maybe you need a golf simulator. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just go to Matt's house and you say this. All right. Anything else to add? No, I think uh, hopefully just we have a great year, you know, as in the market has a great year and and, and hopefully people have healthy, happy, prosperous years. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, there's probably going to be a lot of negative news this year just with the election. And, you know, just try, try your best to drown that out. Yeah, stay away from that stuff. It's too negative. It's a good tip. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining us on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Retirement Plan Playbook. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to stay updated, please click the subscribe button for notifications on new episodes. For personalized financial guidance or to connect with our team, you're welcome to call us at 909-296-7977 or visit www.evermont.com for a complimentary consultation. 
your journey towards a successful retirement plan continues, and we are here to help every step of the way. Until next time, keep building your future. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Evermont Wealth. The content has been made available for information and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.